I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, it might seem like Tesla has been doing a lot for other automakers lately. They're opening up their network. Nax is being adopted along the EV industry, and we're just waiting to see who comes next. But today we have Kyle and his dad, Autospec Dave, on because Kyle thinks that Tesla needs to do a little bit more for other automakers. So, Kyle, what are we talking about? What does Tesla need to do to meet others where they're at? Well, to put it simply, I think Tesla's infrastructure needs to support 1,000-volt operation. Why? Uh, okay, well, you got, and you got an hour. <laughs> uh, first no. of all, if you guys haven't listened to the previous podcast that the three of us just did, we just posted an episode probably the day before this one goes live talking about what's different with version 4 superchargers, how there really is no difference in the charging hardware, at least at this point, especially for the already open stations in Europe and Asia where they're still capped at 500 volts output uh, voltage. And with the U.S. stations seemingly having no change, at least from the outside before they're turned on, it also seems like Tesla is not yet ready to go high voltage with their charging infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a real problem. I think it's a huge uh, issue. And I think it's one of the reasons, honestly, we haven't seen Volkswagen Group or Lucid go with the North American charging standard yet. Hmm, really? So you think that's what's standing in their way, even though a lot of automakers, they're announcing their next plans, but they're saying, you know, 2025, right now we're still in the CCS world, but we'll go there soon because couldn't these automakers say, yeah, we'll, we'll say yes now, but then, and then wait, what will happen in the future? Or do you think they're waiting for some solid agreements from Tesla or something? Well, I think going NAX is twofold, first of all. There's two main benefits to go North American charging standard natively on your vehicle. The first is, of course, access to the much better, much more reliable Tesla supercharger network. We've done countless videos, countless comparisons on the CCS existing infrastructure versus Tesla's infrastructure. No question Tesla's is better from a reliability standpoint. Mm 
the second benefit going North American charging standard is everyone's already done it. It is now the new standard for North America. You're going to have third party, not Tesla, I'm talking ChargePoint, EVgo, Electrify America, Green Lots, so-and-so. Francie's out, but we'll keep talking. Uh, you'll have so many different uh, ChargePoint operators going next, which we've already had commitments from them that they're going to be natively compatible with those vehicles. So not only are you gaining access to the Tesla supercharger network, you will also continue to gain access to existing infrastructure and the port's nicer. Like it's just a simple benefit. It's nicer to plug in than the CCS handle. That's not the reason anyone is switching. Everyone is switching to get access to the supercharger network, but there's almost no downsides except for for high voltage cars we're talking what are those vehicles first of all we're talking Hyundai Kia Genesis uh their eGMP platform currently is you know anywhere between 650 and 800 volts Porsche Taycan Audi e-tron GT um what else is out there of course Lucid vehicles and you we could put Hummer EV Silverado EV GMC Sierra in these categories the double stacked Ultium pack vehicles, the big ones, Escalade IQ. Uh, but those are a little bit of a different case. And maybe we'll talk about that later on in this video. So the reason Tesla needs to support 1000 volts is of this guy right here, because you pulled up to a version three supercharger in your Lucid with a magic dock in Brewster, New York. And can you share your experience with that? Yeah. And I was all excited about it because you know, I know that a V3 can put out 250 kilowatts. I know that me charging my Lucid Grand Touring, which is the, you know, the larger battery pack, 112 kilowatt hour battery pack, that is a 924 volt car at full, at fully charged. Um, you know, I've, I've, you saw, I think 351 peak. The most I ever saw at any Electrify America was 292 peak and and it and it still was still good still good i mean it wasn't the greatest charging curve in the world but it was decent okay so here i am pulling up to a v3 that puts out 250 we all know that and what do i pull 46 kilowatts right that's a thumbs up it needs to be a thumbs down <laughs> yeah, yeah a thumbs double thumbs down so i mean okay that's worse than a 350 nerfed at 50 at en yes so why well if you watch the previous episode, we explain the actual mechanical or electromechanical process that uh, goes through here. Tesla supercharging equipment that's installed today is only capable of outputting maximum 500 volts. When you charge an electric vehicle with DC charging, the charger has to pretty much match the battery pack because what you're doing is you're removing the onboard charger's job of voltage adjustment and converting from AC to DC. So in order all of the, what we call offboard conversion of power. So you have a, you know, a charger that you're plugging into those big cabinets in the back. What they're doing is taking AC from the grid, converting it to DC and matching the voltage to your car's battery pack. So let's say you're at 800 volts in a lucid, pretty low charge. Let's say 30% around 800 volts in that car, something like that. The charger is going to have to go, Oh, I'm going to match 800 volts, go slightly above that and then dump current in. And that's going to basically match the pack and charge the vehicle. When you have an 800 volt pack and the Tesla supercharger can only get to 500 volts, you, you can't put any more in there because you're already way the heck up there at 800 volts. 
So what the Lucid has to do is to take the energy from the supercharger at 400, 500 volts, route it to an in-car booster, which then can juice the, the voltage up to match the battery pack and actually charge. The thing is that component of the Lucid is only limited to just under 50 kilowatts in that scenario. So okay. that's the limitation of the charging process. And each car does it differently. Right. And even within Lucid, to be fair, like a pure or touring with the smaller battery is not as a high high voltage. So at a at a 30% state of charge, it's it's going to be requiring less voltage, right? So so the difference in that, so grand touring, you're going to have much bigger um Deg not degradation, but you're not going to charge as fast as a Garantor. No difference. No difference? No difference. Your booster is the same capacity. Hmm. Yeah, it's a power capacity. Well, okay. I've read things on blogs that's wrong then. Yeah, you're only talking about a few kilowatt difference at most. I see. Yeah, it's okay. roughly just under 50 kilowatts for all of them. I see. Yeah. Uh, it, there are scenarios, like especially with Chinese charging infrastructure, where the pure, smaller battery, lower voltage works better with their infrastructure because mm -hmm. some of their chargers don't go above like 850 volts or something weird, unlike ours. We don't need to get into all of that. We need to get into why Tesla needs to support 1,000 volts. And it is to basically make sure that the user the charger rolling up to now a public charging station gets the nameplate rated speed because you you want to avoid the confusion to a to a consumer when you roll up to a 250 kilowatt charger and you're lucid you expect 250 kilowatts you don't want to have to think that charger is limited to 500 amps and my booster can only do 50 kilowatts and ah, i don't want to be stuck there so let me go to the other you know 150 kilowatt electrify america station and get more power than the mm -hmm. Tesla. This just confuses people. Yeah. And Lucid's not the only car that suffers from this. Hyundai Kia Genesis vehicles do as well. Right. We talked about how Lucid uses an offboard booster, the Wonder Box, they call it. The Hyundai Kia Genesis uh, vehicles use the rear Remember. motors inverter. Yeah. And that can be anywhere between, you know, let's just say about 80 kilowatts to 120 kilowatts, we've seen. Uh, Genesis G80 is notorious for doing 120 kilowatt boosting. Yeah, I saw about 105 in, in Kathy's GV60. In the GV60, 105. Yeah, right. that's great. I also recently did it with an EV6 and only got 40 kilowatts. So it, it is a little buggy and a little bit weird yeah. um, for sure. And then the Taycan has a similar thing. Uh, but rather than uh, maybe not get so nerdy, Taycan basically splits the pack voltage in half. And uh, then you actually you know can can double the voltage into the car. The Lucid actually says, give me the maximum voltage and current you can from the charger right. at that voltage, and then it'll go up. Can so. I come to the defense of Tesla for a moment? Sure, of course. Right. So so if I'm Tesla and I, and I realize there's all these manufacturers knocking on my door for the solution of being able to charge my customers' cars, okay, I am not going to focus on the fringe cases of a Lucid, an EGMP, EGMP or Porsche. I'm going to go after the mass what percentage of cars on the road today are higher voltage that are sold? So small. Okay. I don't think we so have the numbers. if you're Tesla and we're around the board table and we say, all right, we are going to be the facilitators to empower the massive amount of EVs that are on the road today to, um, to be able to charge their cars better than what they get with the current CCS environment, at least in the United States we're talking about here, right? So, yeah. And, and so I, I think that from a from a sequencing standpoint the decision of tesla to perhaps not put 
you know, the chargers at a thousand volts right now, but to solve the problem of having longer cables and credit card payments with the V-Force dispensers, which are much more elegant, the taller units and all of that, it seems to me that that's a prudent sequencing decision and then let the fringe cases come later. Yeah, I totally uh, don't disagree with you at all. The easiest thing to do is accept, I don't know what the number is, 85, 90, 95% of existing electric vehicles on the market to charge natively and quickly on their infrastructure. The problem is, um, of course, with these higher voltage cars not being able to interface perfectly. And we talked about why some of them and honestly, all of them can't match high power on Tesla superchargers. It's because when these cars were designed, there was no charging infrastructure like Tesla. There was no high current, low voltage charging infrastructure. The the Pretty much the fastest charger in our market ever installed to be limited to 500 volts was a 50 kilowatt charger. So most of these boosters are based around 50 kilowatts maximum. Mm-hmm. Titan came standard with a 50 kilowatt booster. It had an optional... Oh. 150 kilowatt booster, which I was like, why would anyone get that? There's no charger that you need that for. Now I'm looking back on all those recommendations and it's like everyone who got a Tycon should have got the 150 kilowatt booster. Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. Luck. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. There, There were some cases in Europe where they needed these higher power boosters. So Porsche obviously designed the car. It was a global product right. and it worked pretty well for that. Also for Japan with Chatamo chargers, we don't need to get into the craziness of it, but um, yes, Taycan and every electric car ships with Chatamo to Japan, uh, which is wild. So um, yeah. So, so it comes down to does Tesla need to support a thousand volts or do the other cars need to retrofit higher capacity boosters? What's your opinion? Keep in mind the Cybertruck's going to be 800 volts. Okay, so if that's the case, then Tesla better damn well get putting 1,000 volts into their V4s as fast mm-hmm. as possible because people are going to be pissed off. Well, are they? Yes. Or are they going to configure the Cybertruck to charge nicely at voltage cap chargers? Well, well if you're getting the Cybertruck, don't you want the infrastructure that is you know, coming hand-in-hand hand with it to be the best pairing? Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. But I don't think, I think the Cybertruck's going to split pack to 400 so, so, But the point is that if if Tesla, if Tesla's motivation to put a thousand volt chargers out there with V4 dispensers is the Cybertruck, then that's the right decision because they're vertically integrated with that product. But I don't see from a sequencing standpoint, the motivation there for Tesla to support um other manufacturers of vehicles that have chosen to put higher voltages in their cars so i would say at, at least not yet because there, there's a massive trade that has to happen right now which is nacs tesla coming to the rescue of a failed charging infrastructure that being ccs here in the states and delivering that to the massive amount of cars 90 percent of the cars that are on the road today that's job number one that's what I think they need to do, and I think it is right. The the and in the case of Genesis and Kia, the EGMP platform cars, the fact that you can pull maybe 105, 120, that's okay. Right? And they agree by I the way because that. they've signed up with Naxo. Right? No, I know that, mm-hmm. but I'll yeah. take that as an owner of an EGMP platform car. The problem is that Lucid just got they got messed up in in not building. The, having the foresight and having such a hot, such a high voltage car that that they can't justifiably um, 
you know, join Max now because the charging experience that they would give their customers would be so horrendous, as which is what I've experienced at Magic Doc. Hmm. But again, I get back to what I said in the other podcast. I understand that, but don't leave us in the dark. Communicate that out. Educate people. We're not stupid. Tell mm -hmm. us why you're not joining Max. So you're right? fine with the reasoning, but you really want them to just be forthright with it. These guys are so smart at Lucid, the engineers, in my opinion, that had they known that this is going to be the state, they would have changed the decisions they made in the hardware that goes into the Wonderbox. But that decision was probably made five years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Right? Absolutely. You can't sh you can't pivot as fast as the way the charging infrastructure has has accelerated in terms of uh, evolvement over the last two years. And now the decision to be able to open up next to to all the cars. So they've been caught. They've been caught a little bit, you know, in a tough spot. Not in a little tough spot. A huge tough it's, spot. It's a huge tough spot. Um, and you know, look, the the answer is not just charge your home. And charge your car on a v on a level two at home and have a tether. Yes, do that as much as possible. Yes, no, I get that, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. like you know, look, I'm not even going to get into it. Yeah, let's not get into the. I, no. I'm, this isn't about Lucid specifically. Right. This is all about high voltage cars. Right. And my opinion differs from yours. I think if you're going to create an open, accessible, and equitable charging network for all EV drivers, that includes all EV drivers between the voltage of, I don't know, 250 volts and a thousand volts. Yeah, but Kyle, they're and going to charge do that. They're but, going but, to do that, but the sequencing of that to deliver a proper business model, you can't do it all today. Why can't Tesla communicate that? That's a fair point. Why can't Tesla I, say, at this time, we'll be ready to either, two things mm -hmm. Tesla can do, right? And there's two expectations from us. The first is, are they able, and we did a whole podcast on this, are they able to reconfigure version three chargers mm -hmm. to support a thousand volts? Because- Already, we explained in the last podcast too, there's a DC link between two different or multiple chargers at V3 sites, right? You have one 360 kilowatt cabinet, you have another 360 kilowatt cabinet. They can share power between them to site level load shift. That power sharing on that DC bus is already at over 800 volt DC. So there are components of the version three charging infrastructure that operates above 800 volts. How hard would it to be, would it be for them to just reconfigure the output voltage up to a thousand volts? I think not that hard. Are the liquid cooled cables in the V3s capable of handling that kind of power? Great question. I don't think anyone knows. Because, because that, in that, Europe, they because are. the cables on the V4s are different, correct? Uh, the cables on the V4 you were there, are different. You saw it, right? Yeah, but also version three dispensers in Europe with the CCS cable are a thousand volt rated, even though the chargers can only do five hundred volts. So, have you noticed? Is there a difference between a V3 CCS Tesla cable in Europe than a V3 NAX? Uh, dispenser cable here in the states according thickness wise no like, no 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 thickness uh, it seems like the same cable just with a different end but they have a different nameplate rating i see which is pretty interesting so they may be hmm. using a different way to cool it as well no i think it's the same cooling logic hmm. yeah so i'm not exactly sure what constitutes that particular rating but hmm. there is a thousand so like even if the cable is different who cares that's cheap tesla could just roll up to a v3 site they yeah. can reconfigure the output bus yeah. they can slap new cables on it and boom you can charge any car at 250 kilowatts, regardless of the voltage yeah, or like more. Magic Dock took less than a day. Right? right. Magic Docs takes them a few hours. This is the same process. New cable, slap it on, boom, done. Yeah. Are and they going to do that? Or, sorry, Francie, or are they just going to say, 
only version four infrastructure. Wait, which, Francie's still with us? Yeah, Francie's still here. Sorry. <laughs> but are they are they going to, to retrofit V3, which it sounds originally I was very confident they would do this. That. Yeah. I'm kind of like maybe they're not because I've talked to also some people in the industry and they're like, we're kind of not hearing that that's possible. Mm. Um, mm. And then or are they just going to wait for version four chargers to be 800 to 1,000 volt? And is that going to happen quick enough for a large automaker like Lucid to say, hey, let's go with Tesla um, or, or um, uh, you know, others as well, but mm-hmm. to go you know, and just wait for those chargers? I think the answer is, for especially for Lucid, they have to wait, but I think they need to communicate that. And I think it's on Tesla as well to get 1,000 volt support as soon as possible. If you're creating an open network that's better than everyone, it has to operate at all voltage levels. But they got to do what's best for the overall industry and the group from a sequencing standpoint. And I actually agree. Two things. Tesla is doing it the right way from a sequencing standpoint. That's number one. And number two, they should communicate that better. Just like Lucid should communicate it better. Everyone just needs to talk. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do. I think that's the most frustrating part of this industry is that if there was really a shared mission to like go electric, then there would be way more communication between all the moving parts. And it is a bit of an absurdity. And I think it's a huge thing that's standing in the way of EV adoption is that we can get into the details of this and try to understand and also communicate and educate people. But the general public is just seeing tumult, a tumultuous time in this industry. And I do think that, you know, possibly, right, V4 could be coming out with this architecture, right, and open it up. Why isn't it communicated? And why isn't there more collaboration? We're pretty confident that version 4 will be 1,000 volts. I think right. that's already been communicated. The problem is we don't know what the heck they're installing in the ground. We think it's just version 3s with version 4 dispensers in North America. It is in Europe, at least. There is no difference between a V3 and a V4 in Europe. In the U.S., I don't think anyone's seen the nameplate ratings, but we're 99% sure they're the same as well. So why is Tesla branding V4 now as not being, you know, as old hardware that's not a 1,000-volt capable? Or is it going to be reconfigured like we talk about? And V4s will use V3 hardware that can operate it up to a 1,000 volts. So many questions that people just need to talk about. And I think if automakers had more clarity, if Stellantis, if Volkswagen Group, if Lucid and others had more clarity into when a thousand volt capability will happen, how it's going to happen, how many stations there will be to natively charge their vehicles without the need of boosting technology, I think we would see more NAX announcements from the remainder. I think VW not announcing has nothing to do with a thousand volt or not. It has everything to do with the fact that they own EA. But EA is already committed to next. It's just, I don't know. I, okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, I think, yes, it's no surprise Volkswagen's last. Right. But they want to switch. I, I, I know a lot of people inside Volkswagen, they're working really hard to get next. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm sure everyone's working on it, right? I mean. It is the standard. You have no choice at this point. You have to put next on your car. So it's just a matter yes. of when. Figuring it out, announcing it, and making the plan. But no question, I just, I don't, we give Tesla a lot of praise at Out of Spec and on this podcast because they do some incredible things, but not everything is perfect. And I think this whole thousand volt situation has screwed up some parts of the industry. And all I wanted to do was bring awareness to it. And my opinion is regardless, Tesla needs to offer a thousand volt support as soon as possible, again, to make a fair open network that's truly public and can charge all EVs. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I can hear that. And then I can hear your argument, argument, Dave, as well, where that there is a sequence of events that has to happen, of course. And then figuring out the best, most effective one is part of that, part of that business plan as well. <laughs> hey, Rafiki. He's <laughs> just pushing his head into me. But um, yeah, this is definitely an interesting conversation, putting a little bit of pressure on Tesla, which is fun. And yeah, if they're going to open up the network, it has to be considered, of course, and more collaboration in general is always a takeaway from these conversations. So um, yeah, thanks you two for hopping on and really appreciate it. Uh, let us know in the comments what you think about what Tesla should do next. Do you agree with Kyle? Do you think that there's a bit of an approach that maybe we haven't considered here? Let us know in the comments. If you're enjoying these conversations, either when we're getting into the nitty gritty or looking at the big picture, let us know, like, subscribe if you've tuned in. We really appreciate it. And yeah, thank you too for tuning in. I love the the family time. <laughs> That's right. Tons of fun. Thanks, Francie. Take care. Yeah. Everybody. We'll see you all next time on the Out of Spec Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.